It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Are you ready to make the dough rise? We're going to do it on today's show. Walter Storholt here with Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Living Worth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond. Find us online at livingworth.com. We've got a great show on the way today. Brian, what's going on in your world? Making any pizza lately? Yeah, I've been making pizza, and I was, I was just going to ask you, it's been a long time since you've brought up pizza. What's going on? Well, I have been on a, a pretty good diet for the last several months. Might have you know, briefly mentioned it at some point and uh, have lost over 100 pounds now since— That is awesome. Yeah, since, the, since June of 2021, so— Pretty pretty good pacing, and well, you uh, have to reward yourself with a pizza here one day. Uh, well, a big piece of the puzzle was cutting out <laughs> pizza because I was definitely a big pizza eater, and so I have had pizza only twice since June. I had it once when we were on vacation in like I don't know if that was maybe September or October. I mm-hmm. sort of took a took a took a break, and w- we had done a twelve mile hike that day. And so uh, out out in the mountains, and so I took a. I said, I think I'm. I can qualify for some pizza today. Yeah, that that warrants a pizza. That warrants a pizza. So I had pizza that day, and then actually, just like uh, two weeks ago, I had um, a, a quote unquote approved on the diet that I've been on an approved pizza uh, because the I'm doing a no sugar, no white flour thing for the most mm-hmm. part. That's sort of the two base bases of the of the diet. And no flour kind of, you know, eliminates a lot of uh, a lot of things or you have to use their alternatives. So, I did have one of those like gluten-free cauliflower crust pizzas the other day. Those don't that, do like, bad. That's very the, offensive to you, right? No, no, no. Uh, well, I mean, if if you've got a legitimate reason why you're cutting out real pizza dough, then those are not a bad way to go. Yeah. And they actually hold up in the oven. It I've, I've was actually before. pretty good. It was very thin crust, yeah. and uh, but the you know the flavorings, everything was pretty sharp, pretty tasty, and uh, I, th- I thought they, I thought they did really well. It was the I've had the cauliflower ones and some of that kind of stuff from like the frozen pizza section in the past before, but uh, not not very good. Definitely not as tasty. And um, so this this compared pretty well. I did share a piece with Connie, and because she was eating regular pizza. And so I shared a piece with her, and she sort of like poked at it and smelled it a little bit, and then just gave it back to me. And she's like, "No, nah, there's no, no way that, that I've had them before." There's, there's she's like, "There's no way that's going to beat the pizza I'm eating." <laughs> no, it, it doesn't beat the real thing, but I mean, it's it's pretty close, and yeah. it, it solves the problem at hand. So that's I guess if you haven't really eaten pizza in seven or eight months, then you know anything that anything close pizza qualifies, good. <laughs> right? Right? That's right? It will do, in other words. So anyway, yeah, it's been a been a fun journey, and uh, but I I'm, I can't wait to get to maintenance phase. Maybe here in a couple of months, where I can go back to living a little bit more normally and reintroduce some uh, some pizza treats now and then. Yeah, so, that's great. The key is just only eat two pieces of pizza and not an entire pizza. Once I get back to that point, so that's the other that's the other part of the pizza being the trouble. It wasn't so much that it had flour in it. It was yeah. There's always two sides to the coin. Too much pizza. So. In any event, uh, we're going to make the dough rise on today's show in lots of different ways. We're going to talk about markets being up and down, uh, at least the rising part of that uh, equation. We're going to be talking about uh, making our wisdom and our knowledge of the markets in the financial world rise as well. Uh, however you want to extrapolate that, we're going to talk about buying low, selling high. And a lot of this, Brian, has been inspired by questions you've been getting from folks uh, coming in to meet with you. 
Also, we mm-hmm. had recently another one of those crazy days where it looked like the market crash was happening, and the day ended up green by yep. 4 p.m. And so it's just another one of those days that kind of makes us uh, lay folks just scratch our heads and wonder what in the world's going on. Yeah, and this is after 22 years of doing this, I've, I've had this conversation many times, and new clients will call in and say, oh, I bet your phone's just ringing off the hook today. And I'm like, no, no, it's, it's just you and one or two others. I haven't got you trained yet. And they, you know, I sort of chuckle and they, we, we, we do a lap around this conversation. But when you see the market, you know, we've had great years, great recovery off of COVID, uh, volatility has been relatively low. And now all of a sudden we're having, you know, crazy events, and, and to put it in context, we're dealing with what inflation, uh, what the Fed's going to do, uh, what's happening in Ukraine. We still have you know COVID lingering on. There's all of these variables out there that make people uncertain or un- unsure about the future. And so we get these sell-offs based on news. And because we can't predict the news cycle, we it's very hard to to predict what the market's going to do when it's in this reactionary phase. Whereas in the long run, you know, markets are, are going to be valued based off of earnings, how profitable companies are, very fundamental and, and quantitative metrics. But it's very easy to get caught up in, in this short-term emotional reactionary phase. And, and so I've, I've, been, I've been getting some calls, you know, what, what's going on with the market? Should I be concerned? Is my portfolio safe and sound or should we be buying should we be selling and what I'll talk about today is just how to reduce or remove the emotion from uh, making a bad decision making an untimely decision and and I'm I'm joking a little bit because it's you know to, to buy low sell high it's it's very simple you know just buy when it's market's down and, and sell when it's up the problem is our we fall in love with our stocks and our portfolios when they're going up and we don't want to miss out on any of the upside of the market and and be sitting on the sidelines. But at the same time, when it goes down, you're like, oh, you know, I should have sold. I should have you know, gotten out. I should have known this is coming. And to not beat yourself up, not get caught in that trap, have a, a specific discipline and, and plan, and then back up just a little bit and view the market in context of time, your time horizon, and what has happened in the past. And, and usually that makes people feel a little bit better about, about what they've got. I, I certainly, uh, that resonates with me. It's that, uh, I guess that's the, the millennial term now of, right, the FOMO, fear of missing out. And mm-hmm. you see the markets going up and you don't want to sell your winners because well, what if I sell now? And then we've all seen the stories and heard about those uh, those crazy swings up from uh, you know from the past couple of years that stocks have gone on, and it's hard not to get caught up and swept up in that dream of uh, what if what if that's me and I sold right before it you know really took off, and you know how how would I live with myself if I sold so early? And then we end up holding on too long, or then we panic if things don't go exactly the right way. And yeah, it's just so hard when you're in it to handle those emotions properly. Yeah, and, and an interesting way of looking at it uh, used to be, you know, if, if you went back to, let's call it 1970s, a- ancient history, we didn't have computers and technologies and free stock feeds to our uh, phones and our iPads and computers where we can watch 
day by day, tick by tick, hour by hour, minute by minute, what your stocks are doing, you used to only get an annual report. And so you could begin the year wherever the market was, and you had no idea of what the value of your portfolio was throughout the year until the end of the year when you got next year's statement. And so you get this, uh, this constant feed, this constant data, it amps up and, and makes you feel every move of the market. So if you went back in, in the early 70s, there were a couple of years where the market was down dramatically at some point in the year, but it finished the year positive. Well, if you were used to getting an annual statement, you would just, oh, last year I was at you know, 100,000 and now I'm at 110,000. Know, it seems like a pretty good year to me. But at some point, you could have been down 10, 15, 20, you know, 30 uh, percent. The, the market can be very volatile intra-year. And we're now very dialed in and, and tuned into this. And so uh, one graphic that I have, and maybe we can uh, post a link to this, or if people want it, they can uh, get a copy of it. But if you went back for the last, you know, 42 years, is the data that I have here. 32 of those 42 years have been positive for the market, All right? So let's call it three out, of, three out of four years, the market is up. So you know you're going to have a down year a quarter of the time. And, and, and you're just going to have to accept that and deal with that. But the other three that are up, there's some, uh, I'll, I'll give you some specific numbers here. And a, a very recent one is actually 2020. Okay, remember COVID hit, and that March, the market sold off very dramatically from its highs. And so during 2020, at one point, the market was down 34% from its high. We think, my gosh, that's terrible. You know, what, 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 what did you do in the middle of March of 2020? Did you panic? Did you sell? Did you buy, hopefully? Uh, or, or if you were... In it for the long haul, you know, hopefully you just held and, and didn't worry too much about it because by the end of the year, the market was actually up 16% for the year. Well, if I told you we're going to have a 16% return this year, don't you want to stay in the market? Yeah. That's you know, don't, easy, don't you want to con easy, continue yes. to hold? Yeah. It, it, it's a pretty obvious answer. But if I told you, oh, but in the meantime, you're going to lose a third of your money on paper and you're going to have to watch that and because you know about it, you're, you're feeling the pain of it. And that, that phenomenon happens just about every single year. So if you look at uh, even 2021, last year, the market was up 27%, a huge gain. At one point, we were only down about 5%. So we've come off of, really since the end of COVID, an almost uninterrupted uptick in the market. So we're going on close to two years that we've not had a lot of volatility. But if you go back to the you know, early 2010s, there were, you know, 2010, we were up about 13% for the year. But at one point, we were down 16%. 2011, the market was flat, but at one point, we were down 19%. And if you look at this chart, there, there's hardly a year where even though the market finishes the year up, at some point during the year, we're down single and often double-digit uh, numbers intra-year. So the main thing is to define your time horizon, 
make sure you have enough cash, income, reserves, whatever you need to get through, you know, one, three, maybe even five years that you want to buffer yourself and not, not panic when, when the, the market goes down. And for those who are dollar cost averaging, let's say you're contributing to your 401k, uh, you've, you've got a regular savings plan in place and you're contributing to the market. Again, it's just that volatility is actually your friend because when the market dips, you're buying more shares, you're increasing your, your, your position. If you're reinvesting dividends, all of those are going into buying more shares. So volatility, volatility can help you when you're in accumulation mode. Where you have to be very defensive is more when you're in distribution mode and and taking income. Interesting that you have all these different little, uh, you know, moving pieces that you have to figure out, not only from a technical standpoint, but from the emotional side of folks. So what's your goal when people meet with you, Brian? Are you trying to, I mean, I think we've established that most folks don't have self-discipline. So are you trying to teach that or are you just trying to be the devil's advocate to kind of recalibrate people? I mean, where do you, do you really try and change people's psychology or you just know that it exists and that it helps you guide them? My job is to get people to do what they instinctively don't want to do. That, that literally is how I view my role in working with, with, with clients on, as it re- relates to market volatility and you know what, what you own and how long you own it. So I got my start in April of 2000. In that first three years, we had the dot-com bubble busting. We had three down years in a row, followed by a very good recovery. But I watched a lot of people who had gotten over-invested in technology, fully invested, and the market sold off. And, and I didn't have a lot of clients at the time, but I saw all the people around me panicking. And I was like, note to self, I don't ever want to be in that situation. Well, then, you know, we had September 11 and the Enron WorldCom scandals and uh, the credit crisis. So I've, I've adopted a very risk aversion strategy or, or approach, you know, down to almost the DNA level because of, of living through those events. And so what I, it's very easy to say if you're in accumulation mode, you're, you're contributing, you're not relying on your portfolio because you've got income. It's very easy to just keep adding to your your, your portfolio. And like I said, that, that works for you in the long run. But once you get into distribution mode, I have people calculate, well, okay, so let's, let's take the dot-com bubble from top to bottom to back to where we started in early 2000. It was about a four to five year process. Same thing with the credit crisis. It was a faster drop and a little bit faster recovery, but it was still about four years. So if you were going to buy and hold and maintain your 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 discipline and your, your exposure to the market without panicking, without having to sell, and without having to make any bad decisions. If you build in a five-year buffer of, let's say you've got social security, pension, dividend income, what's the gap between that and your budget? And then just have that much cash on hand as a CD or a bond ladder, you can insulate yourself from the market volatility for that five-year time period. And so now if I can tell you that you don't have to worry about what the market's doing for five years or for seven years or whatever the number is, you can now back up and look at it long-term so that you're not, you know, panicking and making those bad decisions. But then on the flip side, 
when you have all that cash and the market's going up, you feel like, like you said, the FOMO, the fear of missing out. Uh, People ask me, why do we have all this cash? Why do we have all this cash? Well, it's because when the market turns, you're going to love that cash. When the market's going up, you're going to feel like you're missing out on something. And you're gonna, you can complain to me all you want, and I'll, I'll lend you a sympathetic ear, but we're not changing the allocation. Then when the market goes down, everybody loves their cash, they hate their stocks, and, but it's the same, it's the same strategy. You, you, you're buffered from that volatility. But where the big problem comes in, this comes back to that cell discipline, and this is something that I, nobody really has a good cell discipline that I've encountered. Because... When things are going great, you fall in love with the stocks, you, you want all that upside. But if you've done the calculation, if you know how much cash you need to have on hand, you can use up markets to, and, and I, I, I draw a trajectory. So, so early on, we'll do a financial plan and we'll, we'll project what we need the portfolio value to be each year going forward for the next you know, 20, 25 years. Anytime you get above that number, that becomes your cell discipline. And most people, you know, they want to make it based on what, you know, is the market high or stocks overvalued? No, it's based on your need from the portfolio and your need to buffer yourself from market volatility. And if you do that, chart the course, this is what I need for success. Anytime we get above that line, we're going to sell some stocks. Anytime we're below that line, we're going to go use our cash in this two bucket or you know, like a conservative and aggressive bucket. It works out beautifully because people's, you know, they, they, you can see their blood pressure going down. They, they, they get a little more relaxed they know they're not being impacted by these, these short-term events. Because if you, and I've shared this, uh, American funds puts out a great piece uh, called the ICA guide. And I've shared it with a lot of people. It's one of their original, funds that was started in the 1930s and it charts the progress of that fund and you know c- compared to the market and all that stuff since the 1930s like 1934 to be uh, precise and on top of this mountain chart you know you've got all your up and ups and downs along the way every year they put on the chart a major event you know, a negative event that happened each year so you've had world wars presidential assassinations, uh, recessions, oil embargoes, junk bond debacles, Y2K, September 11, whatever the flavor of the day is, it's always something. And whatever that event was, it usually has a negative impact on the market. Temporarily, never was one of those pullbacks a good time to sell. In fact, just the opposite. It was usually a good time to buy. But backing up and, and saying, oh, this stuff has been going on, you know, for you know, since the dawn of time. It's just, you know, today it's the Ukraine and, and uh, COVID and, you know, next year it's going to be something different. But come back and look at what's really happening with corporate earnings. What's really happening with, you know, the fundamentals of the companies that you own or, or the indexes that you own. And this is... Yeah, I'm, I'm not one to make a lot of market predictions, but I think what's happening right now is we've got all of these negative events weighing on, on investors and, and, and 
you know, people's getting caught up in the, in these short-term movements and events, we're about to enter earnings season. And if earnings continue to be good and, and strong, like they were, you know, for the past year or so, and the forecasts for corporate earnings continue to be very good in spite of all this bad stuff that's happening. If there's good fundamental news like that, it'll stabilize the market. Uh, the, the companies that have good earnings announcements are going to benefit. You know, certainly there will be some that don't have good est- earnings estimates or, or news or forecasts. You know, so it's going to vary stock by stock. But we're just in this period right now where we don't have a lot of good information coming in. We have a lot of negative variables out there. And this is nothing new. This happens all the time. Uh, if, if you put a little bit of money in last year, you were loving it by the end of the year. Well, now, uh, what, a, a few weeks later, you know, the market's down a little bit. Uh, it's, it's probably an opportunity to, to add to it. If, if you're in retirement and you didn't have a cash buffer, you know, don't, don't despair. It, it, it'll, it'll definitely come back. And uh, I think one of the best examples I had was uh, a client who retired in 2008. Okay, 2008 was we'd, we'd recovered from the dot-com bubble. We hadn't quite hit the, the, the worst of the financial crisis. And we did build out that 10-year cash, CDs, bonds. You know, we, we had a 10-year uh, window of, of covering his income need. He wasn't a big market follower. Yeah, he, he liked to golf and yeah, he'd, he'd pay attention to the news once in a while. But by by the end of 2008, we had gotten in position for you know this retirement and retirement income strategy. So to so think about, it, we we put all of his long-term investments to work throughout 2008. Well, then 2009, you know, eight and nine, let's say, we the market actually dropped 57 percent from the high. And I don't think all of his investments were you know definitely not down that much but but some of them were off dramatically and he called and said oh what, what what's going on with the market do we need to be worried and i said well so it's obviously not good this is a this is a truly a major financial uh, crisis and event but you don't have to worry about it for a decade so i said turn the tv off go back go golfing and in 10 years we'll figure out if we've got a problem yeah i was kind of joking with him obviously but um we just followed the plan and then Came back 10 years later by 2018, the long-term investments we made had more than doubled and we activated the cell discipline, we replenished the cash and, and that has worked very successfully through, through all of these you know, volatile moments that we've had. So it's, I think once people see and understand how you can use the market long-term for growth, and then short-term other assets for safety, it takes away that emotion. It takes away that fear. And then, you know, people can, can back away and say, okay, I, I've got a risky long-term growth uh, allocation. I've got a conservative uh, buffer and, and reserve here that, that, that I can depend on. Now I can eliminate that emotion. I can eliminate that, that fear of what's happening in the short-term. And if the market outperforms, I now have a cell discipline and all these things come together to, to, to give you a good way to actually you know, manage your portfolio for success in retirement. 
it all comes back to having that system in place to help eliminate some of those emotions that lead to, you know, those bad decisions or uh, decisions that aren't in our best interest. And so uh, that's what I keep kind of hearing you talk about here, Brian, when we have the right system in place. Uh, we are able to then kind of counteract our negative instincts a little bit and stay on the right track and uh, not make those knee-jerk reactions that lead us down the wrong direction for our retirement health. And uh, that's very good. And I know that that's a system and a structure that you put in place for folks. And so if you're listening to today's show, maybe you're new to, to Brian, new to the show, new to this kind of planning and way of thinking, might be a great idea to set up a free 15-minute introductory call with Brian to see if you can get some clarity around your financial goals. And if you want to try and live the retirement lifestyle that you've desired and that you want, well, maybe begin it with that 15-minute introductory call. It's free, and you can book it by calling 706-451-9800, or even easier, just go to livingworth.com and click Book a Call. And we'll also have appropriate links and contact info for you in the description of today's show as well. Again, go to livingworth.com and click Book a Call, or dial 706-451-9800, and you can schedule a 15-minute introductory call with Brian. Brian, appreciate the help and the guidance. I know that this can be a bit wild and nerve-wracking. It it certainly can stir up some butterflies and emotions when we see wild swings and volatility in the market. It's a good reminder of all the times that this has happened before to folks. It's going to happen again. And the better systems we can have in place to handle these things, the better off we'll be. Probably like a good diet plan. You you, you put a plan in place, set your goal, track your progress, know what you're cutting out, know what you're adding, and and uh, yeah, success is just around on the horizon. It it's just actually, takes a while. It's, it's not, actually a great it's, point. There's no quick fixes. Yeah, when when that pizza's calling your name or the the, the a brownie is uh, has your name written all over it or something like that, you can say, all right, my my emotional decision making really wants me to eat this thing right now. But it's not part of the plan. It's not part of the system that's been put in place to lead to success. And so let's listen to the system and the plan and not yep, that emotion. Just, just call me. I'll talk you out of it. Perfect. All right. The the guy who makes the pizza is going to talk me out of eating the pizza. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Uh, thanks for the help, Brian. Really enjoyed the conversation with you today. We'll uh, chat with you again in a few weeks. Yep. Let's, let's just ride this out and see what happens. And uh, don't let it get the best of you. Good stuff. If you got any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to Brian in the aforementioned ways. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Thanks for listening. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.